Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Radio. My name is Stacy Webb, and I'm your host this afternoon um, here at BackInTime.biz promo show on Blog Talk. Um, I am here today uh, with Victoria Gaskins, and she is um, um, a Native American um, activist, and um, she is also a descendant, of course. Of the Cherokee people as well as the Seminole people. Her father was Seminole uh, on the Gaskin side, and her mother is Cherokee. Um, she has worked for numerous years to document her history um, and the history of 
and uh, these Indians at the Gaskin or Prospect community, excuse me, and I'm going to mess up this name again, even though she has, uh, Victoria has been um, quite patient with me, but um, it should, I'm going to let her say it, Indians of the Gaskin Settlement and their Native American burial grounds. Um, currently, she is working, I believe, and we'll get her to detail um, her work on the uh, Native American burial grounds there at what is known as the Prospect Community or the Gaskin Settlement. And that area has a, um, a, a deep history, uh, an extremely deep history of Native American um, peoples, and um, she's going to tell us all about it and her work. Um, um, getting some some things done with uh, Native American rights, and I'm going to welcome her right now. Um, welcome, Victoria. How are you today? I'm great. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's good for you. Uh, thank you for being here. It's very good of you to come and uh, to share with us um, some of your perspective on the history and the culture of your tribal people. And, um, you know, um, give us a little background on, uh, I know you 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 are have done extensive research on the treaties um, that have happened all since 1612, I think we talked about today earlier. Uh, King Philip and Edward signed the treaty, the peace treaty, was it? And will you tell us about what, what was, decided and and what happened in that 1612 basically for your people well in 1612 the United States and the king and queen of Britain and England signed a treaty with us giving us back our land as the five civilized tribes that was the colonies were 13 of the colonies there in the United States and then there was later on the territories that's where the um, first treaty that came in and then later on become the president was George Washington and he signed another treaty with the tribal people that was uh, Panawanas people, it was Pocahontas and her people signed a treaty with the United States and it was in Chesapeake Bay and up in that area there in uh, Maine and Baltimore, Maryland where the uh, Panawana people were there during the 1600s and later on there land and other was given lands by the king and queen of England. Uh, European Britain gave land to the people of the United States, which my people were Gaskin, and we were given land by the king of the uh, European peoples, our land back as tribal people that were here, where loyalty would consider that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a I'm sorry. In that treaty, are you saying and um, are that basically they were moving those Indians that were in the colonies into the territory at that time? I mean, they were already pushing them out. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so your people left the Chesapeake Bay area or wherever that treaty was signed and, and were were forced forced basically in the 1600s, early 1600s, out of the colonies of Virginia. And then your people um, migrated to, now did they migrate to Florida? Is that how that happened? You know, that 
No, a lot of the religion came to our country during that time. We had different multiple religions. Christianity came here. Mm-hmm. And during that time, mm-hmm. they, uh, different tribal people were not believers of that. Like they said in Massachusetts back in the time when they said that there was witches and all that, there was that was not of that. They were murdered and killed there. They said that these things, but then people were not of witches and witchcraft in that time during the era time. So we were yeah. actually moved because of our beliefs, our Christianity, our our First Amendment right, which the Constitution formed our. Constitution on that First Amendment was the belief of the religious entity and Christianity of the people. So the Native American people believed that our land was what we leave here for us, our grandfather of this earth, that what we live and multiply on, not someone that we have to worship. So that's when they started removing our people because we didn't want to believe in their Christianity. moved a lot of the uh, Native Americans that were actually five civilized tribes away from their culture and their people that were here and did not want us to practice our beliefs. Yes, yes. And so the, those people migrated into or were forced into other territories and and settled there at at what is later known as the Prospect Community. But at first, that area was uh, Creek Indians. Is that correct there? Yes. In- well, not just the Creek lived there. That was your paleo that were there, your Jewel tribe were my people, and then your Creek, your uh, Cherokee, your Cinnamon, your your uh, Choctaw, and some of your, I believe your uh, Chippewa was, I'm not, I can't say that. There were five civilized tribes were there in the area during the wartime when they started removing during the Trial of Tears. But that was later on until the 1800s. They had all lived there. The Hispanic, Ponce de Leon and his people were all there in that area. The black, which are Crete, part of them are uh, uh, immigrant. They're, uh, am, they're uh, intertribal Native Americans that had intermixed with one another during that wartime. But a lot of them fought during the wartime that, and they all natives fought against each other tribe. The five tribes fought yeah. against each other to save the land. Right, right. So they were a lot of your a lot of people were removed off the land, but we were we actually were taken from different times from from the president. The first president was uh, George Washington during that time to Andrew Jackson. We were all taken all over the United States. Some were put in different states during and then with the eighteen hundreds, whenever the territories become land United States become the United States. They have territories. The 13 colonies belonging to the tribal peoples, but the land, territory land belonging to the United States become states. And they started naming all these little towns and villages and communities, and they have names today. And that's the Gaskins you see today. My name, last name, is all over the country in the United States, naming the Gaskins. That names us as loyalty of this land. Mhm, mhm. And and your your Gaskin uh, family ended up uh, there. Now, when did they migrate there, um, the Gaskins, to the Prospect Settlement? I, I think it, the little poster says 1842. Jacob Wells was the first recorded settler in the area, and then of course in 1853, followed by LeBron. Percy, uh, Louis Gaskin, and others, and then that's where you chase your direct line. Is that correct? 
Well, um, yes, that's where my, well, not despair. My people here in 1636 all the way up into South Carolina, my my people had uh, had been given land by the King of England. So he, he had given my family a land, a tournament, which become settlements, then they become land plantations, and they be on and on. So my people received land tournaments, 643 million acres of land, the Gaskins City, Florida, Gaskins, Florida, which was, goes all the way up into Kentucky, South Carolina, all the way up into the Appalachians, which was their land during that time was they had purchased or received that before the surveys ever come and, and taken the property, which was the Native American peoples that had actually the Gaskins. We were given that land to us. It was ours. It was never be sold, never be given to anyone. It was the settlements and the land tournaments and land grants that was given to the Gaskins. And then we came from South, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know, all the way back to 1600s, there's no no actual proof that I can prove today, but I have information that my family had given me my childhood to today that my my family had actually came from South Carolina and they received mm-hmm. land from the government that gave them back their land during wartime if they joined into the war and fought in that time during the Revolutionary and Civil War. Well, my family did fight and they did take their land and they didn't want to remove themselves off their land. It was their property. It was given that by the Britain and England and so on, and then the government come along and wanted to take it from them, and then they removed them, and they settled them into different states throughout the United States. Uh, the people that were on the reservation, then the Uotruck tribe there, the the Ifala and the Cinnamal, the Cherokee, and the, the uh, Crete Nation that were there in that area, southern Florida, south Florida, they were all in the Peninsula, Ocala, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa Bay, uh, St. Petersburg, St. Augustine, all in that area was a big reservation belonging to the the tribe that were there, which they called them the uh, Tuawacha tribe and the Tokwacha tribe and the Yorchuk tribe, the Ifala, which is now today the Cinnamal. Yes. The and now the, um, the, I'm sorry, excuse me, go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Um. Well, yes, uh, that's so interesting, Um. that history there, because uh, you and I were talking that, um, you know, we, it was just a mixture of people because that was East and West British Florida. And so you had the Spaniards in there first, and then you had Britain in there, and, um, you know, you had a lot of immigrants who came or were brought here who mixed in with the tribal peoples of that area as well. And then you had um, a large, but you had a large uh with the Seminoles, you had a large uh, slave um, refuge, uh, and I believe you point out that Seminole just means runaway. It means um, uh, Seminole means wild and 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 runaway, and uh, so that uh, many of the um, African American slave element, which Native Americans were slaves before the African American was a slave, so. In, in all actuality, slavery did not begin with an African uh, person. It, be, you know, a slave. It began with an Indian, a Native American, or a, an indigenous person as a slave. So, but they they took these um, runaway Africans in, and they mixed with the tribe. I mean, they just became 
the Seminole people, you know, um, and they hit them out and were very resistant uh, to the government uh, to release any. And okay, in fact, I think that you gave um, some example of that, or or I did uh, that, you know, that, that the United States kept saying to the Seminole tribe that was once part of the Muscogee Creek Confederacy uh, that okay. you must release, you must turn these Seminole, these African-Americans over, but these were their people. And so they weren't going to easily give, I mean, and by then, many generations. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. Yes. The Native American then, uh, was our part of our, our, our reservation, and they were our people there. And we never wanted to put them, the Crete people were up mixed, as you would say. Yes, yes. Absolutely, and um, I I followed the group of the, what was later called the Buffalo Soldiers after the Seminole Wars, um, which, by the way, were the most expensive wars at one time. I don't know if they are anymore, but $20 million, um, the last Seminole War lasted eight years and cost the United States 1,500 men and $20 million. I don't have... Um, a figure on how many Native Americans were massacred there in Florida, but you you've studied those and tell us about some of those massacres that happened there, uh, which was terribly sad. And I know it moves you to tears sometimes, and that's okay um, because it is that's it is sad. Stacy, that's why they caused the terror tales. Well, my people suffered many tears along the trail to uh, escape to a, a place where they never knowed was their their place. Yeah. It was so wrong what the uh, government had done to our, our people to, still today. We're on that reservation. You know that. They were taken down that trail, and a lot of them didn't make it. A lot of them did, and a lot of them didn't make it. A lot of them hid out in the in the swamps down there in Florida, and they, they refused to leave their land, and they killed a lot of American peoples. I, I couldn't tell you how many soldiers were brought to America that was promised the milk and honey that they were promised, and they never received that. They were killed here, and they're in our mounds. They're in our barrel sites. Uh, a lot of the artifacts in the archaeology today could say that some of the blood descendants of the people in the ground are not that of Descendant Native Americans, there are of a war person that were here during the Revolutionary and the, the war during the Civil War. I, I'm not sure of the account of, uh, of that were murdered on my family settlement. I do recall my grandfather always telling me not to go back in the old Indian fields that we weren't allowed to be there. That was their barrel land, and we weren't allowed to be in that land. So us kids, my brothers and sisters and my aunts and uncles, they tend to the Williamson Cemetery, and my family did. It was a privately owned cemetery. Today it's not. It's owned by the city council of the state of Florida. It was my family's land. It was my family's uh, Indian area that we were our property in 1970s. Somehow my, all my family were dead. All the Gaskins is no longer there, and then Florida started putting up these signs, and started posting things on the internet about my family's lineage and uh, who the Gaskins are today. And it's like we were not recognized from 1600s to actually 2004. They put this 
Gaskins, as you'll see on the site today, the Gaskins, the Fala, the Fala tribe, which is your Alabama peoples that were there in uh, Georgia, Florida, and Alabama, and South Carolina, North Carolina during their removal time, which were the trial tears, they were taken down that time. So during the trial tears, they, they didn't only, the war people didn't only doing the graffiti, the uh, graffiti, uh, the Tennessee, the, I can't say it, would, they went in there and they wiped out all the people there in Tennessee and they brought them in the war and they took them down to Florida and they brought them in the war. They all intermixed and they all got together and they all, even all five tribes went to fight each other in that war. So all your people in your mounds today are not just that of Native peoples. They're all different cultures of ethnic people that are in the mounds. And that's why I respect mm. our mounds today because during the wartime, uh, there were people that brought here that didn't want to perish in our country, but they did. It was like our war guys were over in foreign country and they perished there, and they didn't want to perish there. And wars are not nice, and our country never wanted war, and well, we wanted to end that. That's why Geronimo did what he did, and he didn't want the war, and that's why General Anderson took the flag across the United States and he surrendered to all the tribes and said, I'm going to have no more wars. And he didn't want no more killing of the tribal people no more. Andrew Jackson continued to take, the government continued to take our people off the land. Still today, they have our people on a reservation. and We are the poorest people of America that have little of nothing today. If, if other countries, Stacy was to see how the actual Native people live today, they would be appalled to know that our government is such rich in our country. We have millionaires here, but our Native people live in run-down homes and no funding, no education, not even hardly very few people know our language. And our, we're true people that were here. We're the indigenous people that lived in our country, and they don't even know our language. Our language is yeah. taken from... And our people's people's beliefs was taken from us. Our religious entity, our one, our indigenous religious, whatever gee, our beliefs were that not of the King James. It was of our indigenous peoples, the Mother Earth and our Sun and our Moon and our waters and our environment that we live upon, our food and water and what we ingest and our spirit, who our body is. So mm-hmm. America on a on a on a word that. They put us on a page and written black and white, but our actually Native people are about the spirit that they live upon, their actual true bodies, their inner spirit, who we are. Yeah, yes, and I believe that lives on today. And, um, yes, I, I have visited, sadly, um, lived around and, and visited several of, of our American reservation, what you want to call it, reservation, where... Uh, these people have put, been put, and uh, they do suffer, and, and it is very sad. And um, it, it would be an eye-opening thing uh, for every American to have a, a real um, experience uh, to see the way that we, uh, our Native people, are treated and the, the way that they have, that they live. And um, it's very sad, and and I know that you do so much advocacy work um, uh, with this Native American burial grounds. Now, is your attempt at this point to 
to reclaim those burial grounds there in Florida for the people um, to give those back. I know that some of, and I, I don't know when it was, but some of those, your ancestors were actually moved. Uh, their grave sites were moved to another area. Is that correct? That's correct. Mm-hmm. That was before the uh, United States had made the, um, the laws to not remove the ground, the barrel mounds, and the grail sites of the Native people. Um, my my grandfather always told me, Stacy, that there was Indian mounds. Well, I didn't. Like I said, I I watched cowboys and Indians on the TV. I thought John Wayne was, you know, that was what we were all about. But I was mistaken by education, and. I learned that my family's settlement and their ground, their barrel mounds, was very sacred. So America yeah. had, um, United States had no had no laws during that time to protect our barrel sites. So that's just why I'm very adamant about the barrel sites in the United States and the mounds, which are very sacred parts of our people's where they were murdered there or they died there. So that's why we have not ever protected those mounds. And today in our government and the treaty laws and the government under Title 25, and I'm surprised that no Native American attorney or chief justice of the United States tribal people has ever challenged the government to terror and terrorize and destroy our burial sites, which my family's grave site was. The government never never protected in Florida, never, and the governor never protected my family's site there. I wrote many letters and, and petitioned them to to stop and to seize. I had asked the sheriff not to allow nobody to tear up my family's barrel mounds. That was actually Native American site there that were killed there during the time of the 16 to 1800s, and it's prohibited in your government to do such a thing to my people's site. It was our people's belief, a hundred thousand are fine. Well, Florida didn't acknowledge that, so I just done a motion to petition to um, notice for intent to let the government know that United States that that. That that land down there in Florida, Dade City and Pasco County, before it ever become Pasco, it, uh, belonged to the Yorchuk tribe. My family's settlement was a Native American reservation at one time, plantation, whatever you want to call it, settlement. It was their land from the 1600s all the way back, from maybe from 1492. I'm not sure. The line come there, and they intermixed, like I said, and it was land of the the people of the uh, the Fountain of Youth. The, St. Augustine, where my family's settlement was at, 43 million acres of Florida. Actually, Florida belonged to the actual tribal people. It was a part of their their uh, colony. It was not a part of the, tree, the, the territories. It was a colony area, and it was belonging to the actual people that were there during the 14 to 1600s. It was their land, and we shared it. And today I, I look at the government as a house in Florida, in Dade City, how can you people make money off my family's land? And you've done, I don't, I haven't been down there since the 80s. I can't, I had a violent crime done to me when I went down to check on my family in the 1980s. I was kidnapped and left for death there in Florida. So I don't, oh my like Stacy. It was a trauma. Right, it was right. but um, I went down to find out about my people's. It always bothered my spirit of grandmother and grandfather. They were dear to my mm-hmm. spirit, my heart. My grandfather was a native man. He spoke native. And 
I wondered right. what happened. Grandpa always told me these stories, but I, like I was raised in Florida a lot of my life, and my father and mother were taken to Indiana, and I always wondered why I was so far away from my grandfather and grandmother. Well, back in the time, there was orphans, and they orphaned out all the kids, and my father had become an orphan. He was taken away from his parents, and he was always told he was an adopted child. Well, my father was never adopted, and I found that out in 1990s that dad was never adopted. He was dad of an Indian people. Right, right. Which it it, it happened more than than maybe. In 2004, Stacy, they put that plaque up down there in Florida about my family. Right, right. And they our grave site. They took her crazy and threw them over in the lake. Oh, me. Yeah. It's, I was just happened to be reading today, um, last night and today, um, some reports from around Louisiana uh, during the, uh, or shortly after the, uh, excuse me, shortly after the Civil War and, and these, Freedmen, they called freedmen and women who were actually slaves who had been freed by emancipation of the Civil War. And they were pleading to the uh, government that they wanted their children back. That during slavery, they had had a woman might have had three or four children and they were removed and taken here or there or sold here or there. And and these people, it was so so you know such a strong feeling that they wanted their children back. And of course, who wouldn't? Um, it would be the same with the Native Americans. Where are our children? You know, and and what has gotten off with them? And uh, what a terrible burden that must be for you uh, to know that you're you know that, that these people are just scattered and and you may never know. So. Um, it, it, well, so I, I'm, not, I'm not very just, proud of your work. Let me say this, not just me. It's not only the Native American people today. I'm finding that uh, a lot of folk here in our country haven't had their children taken from them. And this is yeah. all that our, that I done a petition not too long ago to Mr. Obama, petitioning him underneath the Bureau of Indian Affairs of 1600s that it prohibits him to, and then I want an investigation done on the Bureau of Indian Affairs as well as the United States Department of Children and Family Services, state organized, ran some type of, uh, I don't know what they're under, but some type of funding. They all get a grant money just to run their organizations. But I asked him to do a grant and, and give me money so I can petition the government to find out why he's not shutting these organizations down or taking our children away and placing them in a foster care. This is something that our people prohibited in our treaty. Just like you just said, we did not ever want in any of our cultures here in America to be taken away from their actual leaf family bloodline. And Supreme Courts, we ruled in the Supreme Courts that no child or sibling can be taken away from his ancestors or his blood relatives. Well, we have so many people that are so 
they don't even know who they belong to anymore. America is a melting pot of not knowing who your actual lineage belongs to. And you people asking, desiring to know where I came from, who is my mom and dad. Well, you adopted all these people out since the 1600s, 1800s. You've got all these foster systems. You had orphanage homes. You had institutions where you kept putting these children awake and taking them. This is prohibited in our yeah. treaty. Until today, today, I would say today, is still violated underneath the United States laws that we signed not to ever take a child away from a family. Families first, mom and dad first, blood relatives first, and then if if it had be, then someone, there's no such thing as adoption in family courts. There shouldn't be that. There should never be a family court or adoption or any type of unified court in this United States. No, this is part of slavery. It's a part of justifying your existence for our dollars, our tax money, petitions and government people running in an office up here, and you'd be making us as a mockery of our melting pot that we put into your funding for you to run our country. And what are you doing? You're taking our children away. You're putting our people in prison. Our mental people are, are sick in the streets, and they're being murdered and killed. People are being killed by our police department. they got guns carrying on. Well, hang on a minute. What happened to the treaty, Mr. President? What happened to our treaty? Yeah. We prohibited all right. This. This is not allowed in well, our country. Right, it 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 shouldn't be allowed, and 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 it shouldn't be tolerated. Um, I think that uh, a great movement is is in order for us to reconcile uh, some of mm-hmm. the past. If if we can't reconcile the past, we need to reconcile the future, and so that's um, you know I I'm. Um, appreciative of your efforts to recognize the burial ground and recognize that these children are still to this day being taken, and you're correct. Uh, You know, the states have come in and and taken Native children from their homes, and uh, Gabe, uh, Gary Gabehart, his grandmother, I believe, and I'm sure some of your family as well, and mine also, you know, were taken away to these schools and uh, forced to go attend these schools and where they're not allowed to speak their language. They're not allowed to um, uh, enjoy their own um, customs and religion. And they were sterilized, basically, from uh, their own traditions and their own tribal life. And uh, this continues today, and and it's not right. And, and part of it is based on our religion, and part of it is based, you're correct, on greed, you know, that we're just, uh, I, I talk about the Seminoles in, in Carolina Genesis, beyond the color line, I, I chased um, the Seminole Indians, or a portion of the Seminole Indians, the ones who were considered um, scouts, Indian scouts, and, and these men of African and Indian descent and into the Santa Rosa, where they were removed on the Trail of Tears and they got to Oklahoma and they realized that a great portion of the Native people who ended up in in Oklahoma uh, were not very accepting of their color either. I, uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but they were tremendously unhappy uh, in Oklahoma um, and removed themselves over the Rio Grande River into the Santa Rosa Mountains of Mexico. And our government, our Congress, 
came in and promised these men lifelong uh, lifelong uh, enlistment and food um and and housing and so forth and if they would fight the um in West Texas against the um Apaches and the Comanches and other Indians that were a smaller tribe familial tribes uh, who were causing the settlers, you know, a great deal of, of of trouble. And so these Indians, these Seminole Indians, came back into the United States and agreed to fight. And they were stealthy warriors, and they were, you know, well-versed on Native American uh, tracking and, you know, uh, this kind of thing. And uh, once they had completed their job, our government immediately reneged on their deal. You know, and so this can, it's just one good example after another of how we have not done what we said we were going to do. Um, So it's going to take, uh, I appreciate your um, dedication, your dedication to a great movement. Of, of a better treatment towards these people and recognition of their struggles and their deaths and their burial grounds in this. So, they how long have something. you been? Yes. I want to say something about uh, Leonard uh, Paltier. Uh, this yes. man is an American, and the FBI, and according to our laws, was never supposed to be on that reservation there during that time of the, uh, incarceration. This man, Mr. Obama, promised American people, and you can look back in his documentary, that he promised the Native people that if he was elected the president this next term, that he would let him out of that prison. That's not been done yet. Mr. Obama, I I campaigned for him, and I've done a promotion and supported Mr. Obama during his election, during his last campaign. And I received a letter from him, and but, you know, in real all respect, where did this man in the Constitution that says that you have to kill someone and have an injured party, someone that actually hurt someone, to put them in, in prison? And this man never killed no one. So why are we not letting him out of that prison? This has been like 39, 40 years he's been there. And he's in, right now, he's being held in a prison that is on my family's land that was built there during that wartime or whenever year they built that prison there in Ocala, Florida, that should have never been put up there. It was Native American land. So they've got him in that prison there, and Mr. Obama promised the United States people if he won the election that he'd let him out. He's not let him out yet. And I would, I would be very saddened that if our Native American man and all the millions of dollars and all the trillions of money that was put out for the Indian move, American Indian movement and all the people that justified their existence and uh, Russell Cotier, Russell Means and all of our people that protected him and wanted him out of that prison system because he never actually committed a crime. The FBI should have never went on in land belonging to us. It was prohibited in the Constitution and prohibited in the United States laws. And look who we have in prison today, one of our people. He should never be in our, in our prison system. We're sovereign people. He, our government should be allowed him, our Native people should be having our own government to allow him immunity, give him all rights, clemency, and let him go home to his people. 
dinner too long in right. the prison, prison of our own America like we are still to what? be on a reservation. Yes. What what was uh, Leonard Pelletier's crime? I I have never really researched him. I I know that he is, um, you know, that this is a case study. I mean, for uh, all Native Americans, because um, what they did to him could be very well done to any Native American uh, who is uh, within the the sovereignty of. Of, of a different nation And so what was his original crime Or if you know Well supposedly the, uh, There was something going on On the, uh, the reservation in the Sioux And that he or I'm not sure the actual area they were in But he actually supposedly there was a shooting That went down between him And mm-hmm. the two FBI agents that were there And I, they said right. Leonard had shot some One of the FBI men but later on in the years now, Stacy, the FBI came out and told the truth that he actually never shot anyone. So where's the injured party at, America? Who actually killed who? The FBI agent was a man that belonged to the government, had was on sovereign Native American tribal land, had no business on that land, and our tribal government should have petitioned the government and sued the United States government for incarcerating Leonard and putting him in prison when he was not actually injured anyone on the tribal property, that he actually sovereign land that he belonged to as his people's. So America would violated that tribal right right there and the treaty that no government, and you're looking to treaty intersections, and I don't want to cite sections and codes in Title 25. That would be a nightmare for us to die. But I'm right, very... Right, right. I do know my laws under Title 25 and the sections of laws that prohibits any United States government to come up on the land that belonging to the peoples. That was established in our declaration of our independence and our rights in the government time. So whenever the government FBI came in there and they actually arrested him, they had no right to be arrested. Lenar, we have our own police department. We have our own governmental people. Why would the United States government come on our reservation and arrest one of our tribal people that are sovereign? He's an immigrant to us. Right. He came over here right, as an immigrant right. in some kind of bogus law on me and our people and my family and our generation and our culture. No, excuse me. Your government came over here and massacred and murdered all of our people. Are you kidding me? That's why we signed a treaty still today, and treaties have not been honored. They've not been honored. Right, correct, correct. Many, 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 many of those. See, he would not be in This man would not be in prison today, and our women would not be raped and, 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 and denied due process claims in courts that they should be having today had our government protect our sovereign rights underneath that treaty laws that were signed during the time of the government since 1776. None of those treaties have ever been honored back to 1600s from the actual Britain and King and United States, England, that signed those actual declarations with us and proclamations that we would never be violated on our land. It's prohibited for you to to violate the rights of a due process of a Native American. It's their sovereign land. Even President Barack Obama would tell you today that only person that can speak out about the, the people in this country is actually the true Native American. That or This is their land. And we, the people that came here, don't have sovereign rights. They do. And I'm one of those people that have sovereign rights to my people's estates and our name and our land autonomous loyalty from the king all the way back to the Isles of Rights, the Ecclesiastic Rules, Law, Ministry of Justice, all the way back to the before America became actually a human beings the way we function today. My people were here. There wasn't even a 
nothing in the 1400s to 1600s. We had nothing here. Yeah. The people been right. here. I can't trace back to when my family, Stacy, ever came here on a boat, ever came in here other than some Scotland that came here and intermixed with my family during Britain time. But there was always the Cherokee and the Cinnamal tribe people, the Paleo. They were actually called the Paleo tribal people that were here during that time from 1500s to today. That's your Paleo Native American. That's where we all started from, 500 and something tribes. So, well, um, Victoria, tell me, um, where where do you think that this should go? Uh, what is the bigger, you know, I know that you're an activist and that, you know, you would like to go back and say, what, what would be an idealistic, if we could have that, um, that, that the Native, that we raise a Native, um, American government, um, you know, would that be something that it would start from within? You know, what is your ideals of, a, a, you know, I know we can't justify the past. I, I want to say uh, we should, you know, justify the past and fix these things that we've done, but that's impossible. Um, so what what could we do to encourage um, a more civil relationship in the future is is what could we as Americans, you know, an average American, uh, I'm mixed blood, I'm Native American, I'm Gypsy, I'm Portuguese, I'm Jew, I'm all sorts of different things, Irish, Welsh, English. I'm just a melting pot of everything that was here and everything that came here. And so I, I, my, you know, I I would like to know what what could I do to make a difference today for Native peoples. You know, what could I do to rectify today? Oh, I think I've lost Virginia, or I'm sorry, I think I've lost Victoria. Um, maybe she'll call back in. I apologize for that. Um, I, she must have lost contact or something, and I will give her a few minutes um, to call us back. But that is a, a food for thought uh, for everyone of us who is listening today is that, um, you know, sometimes in our heart strings get tugged, um, especially if you're a researcher and you read these things, the history of our people and the history of the Native American people and the injustices that we have imposed upon those people over um, greed or religion or uh, colonialism. And, um, you know, I understand that we can never go back and, and fix the past, but what could we do today um, to make a difference? Is it, um, you know, reading uh, material uh, every day or uh, thinking and praying for those people? Um, what could we do to make a difference today? Uh, is there an active, is there a cause that you could uh, be part of um, changing that? Um, Victoria has such a um, 
a diverse background and such an interesting um, angle. Um, she's done so much research um, on the treaties and the things that we have failed to um, uh, to live through to, to or that our government and and that is us. They are representative of us. So, uh, what could we do today to change that? And um, and make a difference today for our native peoples who do remain on this in this country. Um, I'm gonna play about two minutes of music and um, give take a small break and see if um, Victoria will be able to call back in. And um, we'll just take a quick break. Thanks everyone for joining us today and listening. Um, and we'll take about a two and a half minute break. Biz. We're still here with um, Victoria uh, Gaskins, and she has been able to connect, reconnect with the radio show. And I'm just going to open her mic and uh, thank you, Victoria, for calling back. I apologize if, if we have any um, uh, disconnect. But, um, yeah, the, the question, the, the pertinent question at this point was, um, you know, what can I do uh, if you weren't able to hear me, what could I or any average, um, you know, American who who may or may not have Native American heritage, what can we do today uh, to change the future and be better stewards of of this country and the original people here? Uh, tell me, uh, give me some ideas of things that we can do. Well, first we need to honor that treaty that was signed when the people were here that were indigenous. And the people, the courts, there was never a court in the 
days that we had, we had to answer to the tribunal, which was our elders, and that was the, that's the way it was. There was never, you go to prison, there always had to be an injured party. The government, had, we have our own governmental laws, tribal peoples, and that's the way our tribal people are. We should never have to go before the United States, petition them to have sovereign rights in our own country when it was our country here. The government's not, not it's mismanaged. All factors and all establishments and all governmental entities in the United States is all mismanagement, including the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So if America was to set down and actually do the treaty, do the Constitution, the first ten amendments that there was, including the ten, uh, the ten commandments as there was that they have to take, and the ecclesiastic rules before the canon rules, the law, and the establishments when they take the oath to become our elected officials, they're underneath those laws of the Ministry of Justice. America was based on ministry, and that's the way the laws was constitutional of the First Amendment. So we have to follow those amendments and not go off those amendments. It'd be like the ministry going off the, the biblical beliefs and the and them going off the treaties. Well, the treaty we see today is not being honored. The religion's being faded away, and now the Constitution's being faded away. So what is actually America becoming? These are things that our forefathers and founders that writ and and legislated and Congress and people that fought for our laws, and today we're not honoring none of those. No matter not what color, creed, or national origin we are, there should never be a thing of racism in this country when we had Native people here. Uh, there's no color in this country. We're all, we're all equally underneath the Constitution that was writ. That's why we writ the Constitution. But the tribal people that are here, they have a separate laws of the people, and they have their separate courts, supposedly. And the United States has taken that right away from them. Never to today, we just got our violence against Native American women's rights, 2013. Barack Obama was the first president that actually visited the reservation other than uh, John F. Kennedy that actually had us come to the White House there to uh, make peace with us. All treaties that were signed and were never honored today. So our, our treaties and the people today, just like the Constitution is not being honored, our forefathers is not being honored. People, you see what's happening today, Stacey, in our government I mean, Mr. Obama is sending our guys off to a foreign country in war when we need them here in America to stop this havoc that's going on in our streets and our government. Our our military should be in our country, America. They should be here and in our country, protecting our people in our country, our military people should be. Not in some foreign country. They should be in America's land, and our, our Native people should see to that. That was a part of our yeah. treaty. And they were to be here protecting our homeland. Homeland security is about the native people that live here. We're supposed to be protected. Well, where's my military troops? You're off in a foreign country protecting a foreign country. You're supposed to be here in my country taking care of our people here. And you're not. Our police department are murdering. Our family services are taking people, children's away. Our government is locking people up in prison that didn't injure no one. I mean, wait a minute. Where's my people that are, took the oath of oath to be an oath keeper to, according to the ecclesiastic rules that you serve to protect the people here underneath the, the tribal lights that you're supposed to be under your government? And you're not out here protecting the people here that are being injured? I mean, 
Hang on a minute. So a, who are you serving? So a movement, a great movement of educating, educating our own and uh, enlightening our own of the civil rights and and the the rights of others that have been taken and and kind of going back to um so education would be um the first movement of uh, that someone could educate themselves a little bit better you know and start demanding that our government answer these questions of uh, i think uh and I know I referred to him several times but um, he also uh, expressed, um, Chris Sewell also expressed that, you know, there is a great movement for people to say, uh, what about our children? What about our future? If if the United States government can do this to the Native peoples and, and leave them unprotected and, and not stand by their treaties and not stand by what they have decided to do, that they can also apply that to uh, the average person. And so I think that um, what has happened with educating our we need to educate ourselves on what exactly has transpired. And it's people like you who are digging through the past and and saying, well, what about this, and why didn't this be fulfilled, and why wasn't that fulfilled, and uh, why would you make us these promises and we gave you, because I feel like that the Native people, in, in a lot of regards, have lived up to theirs with a treaty, even though they didn't want a treaty in the first place, they didn't want to be removed or moved away from their land, uh, or be forced into a reservation type uh, living conditions, but they did live up to theirs. They sacrificed. Well, you know, they, they we say you know, the past, Stacy. We're not the past. We're the history of this country. My people are not yes. the past. I'm your history. I were here. My people yes. were here. Or you become the past here. You guys are past tense to us, but actually the true people that were in this country were the native people, the five civilized tribes that do respect our land. We do respect our culture. We do respect the people that are here today. America people that came here, they thought that something happened to them where they didn't, they've lost all due diligence, all due respect. That's why the forefathers and the forefounders built those constitutions on the people here. They actually had respect for the, the actually the history of this country. The history was started back to Christopher Columbus, and look how many millions and billions of dollars have been made upon the Native American history. And what do we have today but poverty? Mm-hmm. Colonialism, uh, yeah, colonialism was, um, I know that um, I watched Mr. Obama's, even though I was not part of uh, his campaign or or was a supporter of him, I have learned to respect actually him since that time, which is kind of reverse of a lot of people in America. I think they've lost sight of, uh, but they talked, uh, I watched a movie about his life at one point, and he talks a lot about colonialism and the effects that it had on the native peoples of, of the world. Uh, I, you know, the Spanish and the French and the English, you know, colonies in India, in America, in the Caribbean. Um, you know, we was a great devastation of peoples, you know, throughout the world, uh, Native Americans uh, being our number one priority. Um, and I... 
I think it's time that we recognize that you're right. Uh, there's been what has what has the white man made off of this country and these people, and how can we ever fix it, Victoria? I don't know. I I look to you, to people like you, to tell me uh, do this, you know. And I I guess I want to fix a problem that is a long-standing historical anomaly. I suppose I I don't know what the answer is. I would like to know more. I would like for anyone out there, you know, who has ideas of what we can do to to help uh, restore our history, you know, and, and acknowledge that this could also be our future if we this, we could go the same way the Native Americans went, you know. Absolutely I mean, Stacey, listen, if, they, if they can tear my family's burial grounds down, don't you think that in the future they can go destroy somebody else's burial cemetery? I mean, my family's Absolutely. cemetery was destroyed. Don't you think in the future that you will have looters and people that go in there and poachers and, and just, they go in there, they don't care. They don't have no re- – that's like they didn't have during wartime. They had they were here to take in squatters, and they needed to go wherever they had to go. We, the people, don't think that that's ever going to happen again. What's what the American people going to do, and all of us, and all the global is going to do whenever the money, the currency, the dollars doesn't mean nothing. We have nothing. Mm-hmm. All we have is ourselves. I mean, don't we think that that ever could not happen to us? I mean, I, I think today, I mean, what if I didn't have a – a penny to my name what would i have for my next day i mean where's my next day going to go what am i going to how am i going to treat the person next to me when i have nothing as they don't have nothing nobody has anything anymore because the government has failed us all they they have nothing the dollar don't mean anything they can't go nowhere because other foreign countries don't want to trade with us because we're nothing no more no foreign and i i look for that to ever happen to our people and there's all the continent all globe people and what are they? What are we all going to do when that happens? When the crisis comes, and who are we going to be yeah. helping, protecting when there's no money? I mean, where was where's the right. children going to be taken? You know, us people today don't look. We don't we don't plant. We got all these hatcheries, all this artificial effects going on in this country. Whatever happened to the America when they went out and planted a garden? We can't even find a garden today. Very few people today, Stacy, have a family that has a garden. And we have all these hatcheries, right. all these plant monsoon yes. tools are so up so high today, America. I mean, oh come on, please, we're all going to die if we don't slow down, stop right now in our country in the next hundred years, thousand, ten thousand years, however much the people have. I'm going to be gone, the future here, but our America right now is not going to make it. Our future here, if yeah, we're all I agree. Starvation is going to come. Uh, we're going to be just like all the foreign countries. I agree. The monetary system does not work. And uh, whoever, my father and I actually were just talking, um, you know, uh, this morning, we were debating on some things about the monetary system. And and he just looked at me and he said, Stacy, whoever convinced people that a piece of paper had any value whatsoever. It's a piece of paper. You cannot eat it. You cannot satisfy your hunger or your thirst with a piece of paper. 
and so um, there's there's uh, there is some great movements. So I I must say, um, there's one movement in South Africa called the Ubuntu movement, and it is based on not a barter system because a barter system doesn't. Um, there's always going to be someone who has more than someone else if you work off of a barter system and you're kind of defeating the purpose. And so it's it's based on contributionism. And a man by the name of Michael Tellinger uh, is in oversees a lot all of that and is the creator of of a lot of things. Um, but Ubuntu uh, translated from South African means what's good for one tribal member has to be good for all. And so uh, it's based on that concept. And then there is some some great movements within the United States to adopt Ubuntu-type communities. And then there is also um, some some newly emerging Native American people who are really pushing uh, to move into uh, a more tribal existence of community. Uh, They're going to be in the next 10 or 20 years, the coming future of of communityism, going back to our tribals and raising our own gardens. And, And the thing is, is that people do not realize that when you live that sort of lifestyle, there is no need. You have such abundance for everyone that there's no there's no need of greed because there's no money you know i mean uh i i would hope that that would be uh, also lay a path for our future and and i will also work towards uh advocating for those type of communities to return and um i don't know that we would ever get reclamation from our government uh, as far as the Native American goes, but as you suggest, uh, the future could be better if we um, and more abundant for everyone if we would return to a more um, truthful and a more natural way of living. And and if you tell someone something, that should be your word should be good enough. And um, I am very appreciative that you joined us today, Victoria. I think that you have so many insights, and if there's anything that I can ever do to further your work uh, with your Native American burial grounds and with the rights of your people, of our people, um, I would certainly uh, do that. And are there any other thoughts that you have today um, that you would like to share that I have neglected to prompt you on Everything's been wonderful. I've enjoyed my our conversation here. I've enjoyed being on the show here and taking respect for my people. Stacy, I uh, I've been an advocate for many, many years. I've not just for the native people. I've advocated for many of people in the, the prison ministry, um, nursing homes, motorcycle riders, uh you name it. I've done a lot of advocating in my life. Barrel mounds, this is my main here in America because this is sacred land that belonging to the native people here it was supposed to have been respected and I read in all the newspapers in this country that someone looted the barrel mounds well where's the sheriff at where's the county officials that we elected there no I'd be ashamed that if I had to come 
and read your newspaper in the archives and come to your town in the future, then we signed a law that was in effect already that your city could be sued for $100,000 for allowing this type of behavior to happen by a, a person that was there and you never protected that land. That was your responsibility in the community that when you took as a county official that you were supposed to protect those barrel sites. You never did it. And I find in the country today in America that a lot of them have been looted. And that's my people's land. And our county officials have neglected that responsibility as elected in all states. There's, Like I said, there's 17,000, I could say there's probably possibility 17,000 barrel sites that is in America right now that the archaeologists have discovered since the 1800s. So whereas our United States laws that they established for us under Title 25 in the Bureau of Indian Affairs, where is that at today? That's why I speak out as an advocate. As you as elected mayor in your city, shame on you. It's a shame that you'd allow someone to come and tear up a Native American barrel area that was there. What about the cemeteries and the futures that gets looted? People's, people were buried here. and You know, this is, is this going to happen to their people in the future? I mean, it happened to mine. I mean, you, you had no respect. Our land was ours, and people come here and bought it. That was barrel land. And a lot of people today don't even tell where the barrel sites are. They're secret. Farmers today have land that they don't even That's tell right. where there's sites are on their land property today, and they're not even acknowledging this. So the surveyors come there and they go back in the archives to find out, well, these people buried their family there. Well, there were burial mm-hmm. sites of the people that were royalty. Well, I know. I, I'm sure with my cemetery work that I do to this day, uh, even uh, settlers that were here in Christian County, Kentucky, I know of a burial of a cemetery was a small um settlement uh, just not far from here uh, and I have pictures I have a website dedicated to uh, these kind of cemeteries and burial grounds where I have tried to get people to uh, acknowledge slave cemeteries and um, burial mounds um, or any of those kinds of things but these were with regular headstones Christian burials in a a small chapel cemetery that uh, a farmer just came through and just keeps knocking them over and knocking them over. Well, uh, and so now they're all gone. And so it it absolutely can happen. I I have documented these right just up the road from me and, and appealed to the people to say, help us with this. And it's, it's such a disrespectful thing. I mean, I don't have anyone buried there. Um, but to me, it's it's a travesty of justice that any person would knowingly uh, say there's a cemetery here, but because I want to plant two foot or six foot more worth of crops, I'm going to pretend, I'm just going to knock it down and pretend like I never saw it. I have picked up cemetery headstones from creek beds and brush piles that were brushed, you know, pushed in with brush piles. And and these people absolutely knew these were here. Uh, in East Texas, I worked on the Shawnee burial grounds there in Nacogdoches where this was a Shawnee burial ground for whoever knows how long. 
I, I have no idea how long. Um, and then the Spaniards came in and used it as their burial ground. And then my great-grandfather, who was an Indian agent uh, for the Cherokee um, people for Sam Houston, buried himself and his his people, Cherokee people there. Um, the farmer came in in the 60s and not. And, and mind you, this man had a headstone that was a Republic of Texas commemorative headstone that's, you know, five foot wide by six or eight foot high. I mean, I may be giving I – mean, anyway, it's a large stone. It's not a small stone. Um, and just knocked it over and, and pretended like this – this burial ground is not here. It, there is no marker there that the Shawnee burial ground, uh, there's no marker there for the Spaniards. There's no marker there. Uh, they eventually, because of racism, they eventually moved that commemorative Republic of Texas headstone to the courthouse in Nacogdoches because that my my grandfather's brother owned that property where the courthouse sits now, which they just illegally took in his estate, um, and put that plaque up there, but he's buried up there on Goins Hill with nothing, uh, no no recognition whatsoever that this was, And but the people that it's privately owned are not going to say, yes, my grandfather knocked this cemetery over and here it is I mean very well people know where it's at going to be lost as well you know there's no marker so um, where's the recognition for this burial some this burial grounds there in Florida for your people I can un- totally understand where you come from in your efforts to say look this was the history of this place my people are buried here I demand that you recognize this and and restore whatever we can right. do to restore it. That's if there what is my any uh, restoration. Right. That's what my uh my go is here, Stacy, to uh go to Florida. Like I was telling earlier, that I had a tragedy. So it's kinda hard for me to go back down there. Right. I, I, I suffer from post traumatic stress. I yeah. I suffer from post trauma to know that um yeah. the government hurt my people. Yeah, it's difficult. It is. And and I'm so sorry. I I know it, that you're any taking war veteran, any on... war veteran Stacey, any war veteran today they suffer from post traumatic stress from havoc. And that's what was done to my family was havoc. And they suffered from it. And I'm just no different than a war than war person because my I feel the pain of the war that my people were put upon. It is America, and I feel the pain upon our veterans that go to the countries and fight. I feel what they feel. They're they're um they're hurt that they were just mm-hmm. there. They were there, and they come back with yeah. pain. And it is it is a true pain that whenever we go inflict something on someone else, and. Mm-hmm. American people is inflicted upon us, but they have forgot what was the history of this country. I mean, it might have been the future or the past, but we are not the past. We are the we are the the history of, for the future. 
We're not the past. We're still in their land. People still talk about us today in the books. So we never mm-hmm. we never become extinct. We're we're still here. And we can be mm-hmm. brought back where we are like the animal and the human are brought back, the turtle shell was brought back, the buffaloes being brought back, the native people's spirit and their indigenous way of life can be brought back in a kindness way, a gentle way, not what we wreaked upon during the wartime but in a way of, of acknowledgement and reconciliation. That's all we want. We don't we won't, mm-hmm. don't want no one to, to keep inflicting emotional distress and pain and, and, and lack of knowledge. We want to educate the people that all we want here in our country is freedom and peace amongst each other. No, we don't want war and killing and fighting and unjustifiable, unconstitutional violations. We, don't, we never ask for this. We ask for right. being, getting along right. with each other. That's what we're supposed to be, and there's no color, creed, or national origin. We're all mutually, and we're equally. Correct. Because the creator doesn't want us. He wouldn't have created us if he wanted us to be different from one another. We all have the same blood, and we all just have different unique traits about ourselves. But that doesn't stop us from loving and caring about one another. That's right, and we're all humans, and and we must not... um, abuse and then disregard because another sort of, of another sort of abuse towards our native people is not acknowledging that we have done this. You know, I hear it's it's the same with slavery. I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, well, my, I never owned any slaves." You know, I did not do that to to anyone. But you must remember that we that our culture is the one that enslaved those people. And we have created this, we brought these people here and we created this culture. They did not ask to be brought here. They did not ask to be enslaved. Just like the native peoples did not ask for us to come here. And they did not ask for this. And for us to continually say, oh, it's not my responsibility because I didn't own a slave, it's crazy. It's another way of abusing the African American or the person that was enslaved. It's another way when we do not acknowledge that there was hurt and the people still feel it. There's pain and the people still feel it uh, within the native peoples of this country. And we do, we continually just disregard it and say it's not my problem. I did not do that to those people. You are not understanding that your culture did do that to those people. And what you stand for today is going to last in the ever in the in the ever after. What you do today will help for the future and it will help to heal the past. Uh not that, that I, I would even dream that, that could ever be done, but it's it's a way of acknowledging the past and and making um amends for such. Um, Let me open the mic. I might have a question for you. I believe this is Dave um, calling in, and he may have, because he's done a lot of work on some Native American burials as well. Good afternoon, Dave. Hello, Stacey. How are you? I'm off my trip and finally home. Wonderful. You guys got back safe and sound from Texas to... Ellen, or to, are you in Missouri? You're in Missouri. I'm in Illinois, just across the river. You're from in St. Illinois, Louis, Missouri. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I knew you were close. 
and you took yeah, me to beat the Coalition Mail. We beat the ice. We beat the ice out of Oklahoma City uh, by uh-huh. probably half a day, I guess. And fabulous. Uh, got into, um, but we went by. I had to go by the uh, Chickasaw Hospital in uh, in Oklahoma and uh, uh, re. Oh, I don't know what they what the term they uh, they use now, but I guess re up my data on uh, my file there at Chickasaw Hospital. And uh, I had cut my arm on the way up there, so it was a good thing. They uh, dressed out my arm and taped it all up, and uh, and so got all of that taken care of. And uh, then I went uh, went on up to Highway 35 and uh, past Paul's Valley, where my mother had gone to Indian school, and uh, spent the night in uh, Ardmore. But I was listening to, uh, I didn't get in on all of the conversation. I haven't been on but about maybe 10, 15 minutes. But uh, some of the things that uh, that go on in this country, you'll hear people say, oh, I, I went up on this hill and I found all these perfect arrowheads and they're this and they're that. And they have dug all this stuff up and they don't realize that they're digging in a Native American, a North American Indian burial site. That's the only place that you're going to find perfect arrowheads. Uh, if you're finding busted up arrowheads or incomplete arrowheads, you're in an area where they actually work them. And uh, when they broke, they tossed them off to the side and went on. But uh, they often buried a supply of uh, arrowheads, perfect arrowheads, with the uh, the graves. And uh, that's yeah. what they're digging up. Uh, I would so say that, well. needs to be, that needs to be brought out to the general public, that they are digging in a cemetery. And Native American people, by and large, do not believe in digging in to a grave or removing uh, bodies once they've been buried. Once you've died and been buried, you've uh, died and been buried, and that's uh, the, the final thing to it. Um, the uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's sacred ground, and uh, I was reluctant several years back to take back some remains that had been dug up at the Alamo and put in a cemetery nearby. And then dug up again and uh, moved to another portion of the cemetery and then dug up again and sent to Southwest Texas State University to to be uh, looked at. And uh, we finally got those remains back, but I was reluctant to do it because you don't know who those remains really were. And once you're buried, you're buried and shouldn't be messed with. But we did get them back into the ground there in uh, San Antonio, and now there's another group of fruitcakes out there that want to dig the remains up and move them to another location. Now, I don't understand that at all, but we know that they're not Native American people. They're just fruitcakes. That's in San Antonio. But uh, there's a lot that goes along with Native American cemeteries that uh, should be noted. I did join and help form a 
organization in Texas called Save Texas Cemeteries. And it was for the purpose of cleaning up cemeteries and making sure they didn't get lost or bulldozed over or fenced off from uh, from people so they couldn't couldn't visit their people. In Texas, it's against the law to fence off a cemetery. There has to be access to that cemetery at all times. Even if it's in the middle of the property, you've got to provide some access to it. And uh, many states don't have similar laws, and they need to have them. And the only way you're going to get them is to uh, take it to the uh, state courts and uh, get hot about it. You've got to carry a big stick. You've got to pound on the table loudly and talk loudly in order to get what you want, but it should be done. I agree. I, I truly, and of course, I I know that you worked several years on that situation there in San Antonio. Um, I believe they were putting in the post office, or they were taking the post office out. What was the situation on those remains that you were later entrusted with and reinterred? Back in the uh, 1920s, 1930s, there was a post office, a federal post office, that was built adjoining the Alamo. Unfortunately, it took over a lot of the property that the Alamo once sat on. The uh, north wall is actually in the lobby of this federal post office. And uh, on the outside of that wall were several cemeteries where they had buried uh, North American Indian remains and others that uh, were associated with the Alamo. And they simply just raided right on over. Well, while they were doing this, they did dig up some some, uh, remains, and uh, they took the uh, jewelry off of these remains, which was essentially Indian jewelry, rings and the like, and those quickly disappeared. And uh, they were they then claimed that these were defenders of the Alamo, uh, these bones and these remains. Now, the Alamo fell in about uh, 1836, I guess, and uh, all of the uh, remains that were around the Alamo were from years and years before. And uh, then the uh, the excavation for the federal building there took place in the 19 or it was begun in the the 19 mid 1920s 1930s and that was when they discovered these remains and decided they were uh, remains of defenders of the Alamo and they dug them up and there was a big hoopla about it it was in the newspapers there in San Antonio, the San Antonio Light and uh, the San Antonio News, maybe. And uh, they uh, printed those stories, and uh, they uh, had a very nice burial and what have you, but it was in the name of the uh, Alamo Defenders and not Native American people. Well, later on, they came along, and uh, they had buried them in San Fernando Cemetery, and uh, they dug them up, 
and uh, moved them to another part of the cemetery and reinterned them. And uh, then later, in later years, I guess probably back in the 90s, the uh, University of Texas, in conjunction with the Catholic cemeteries there, dug those remains up again and sent them to southwest Texas in San Marcos. And there it was discovered that uh, by virtue of analyzing the bones and looking at the teeth, it was discovered that these were not defenders of the Alamo, that they had to be Native American people. And it had to do with the shovel-shaped teeth. Now, in total, there must have been uh, hundreds and hundreds of teeth that I took possession of, still in boxes, and I didn't really take possession of them in name only, and they were moved from southwest Texas back to the Catholic Church and remained in their custody. But I officiated at the uh, at the burial, and we got them uh, back into the ground, and there's a, a tombstone there now that says that these were Native American people, and uh, there's no telling uh, what tribe they could have been uh, from. They may have been from a Coela Tekken linguistic group in Texas. Now, there's no such thing as Coela Tekken Indians or Coela Tekken tribes. That's a term that's been misused throughout uh, the, uh, the early, uh, early 1900s, and it was coined to... Uh, show a lot of these uh, smaller tribes and now I'm going to change it on you and I'm going to say smaller families like the Joneses and the Smiths and the uh, whatever that was scattered all over Texas and uh, they were families and that's all a tribe is is a family and my family comes from the Pashugi people in Oklahoma which were members of the Chickasaw Nation, Pashugi. And uh, some of my family wouldn't give up that name when they uh, were given allotments and what have you. They held on to them. But uh, so they used that term, Coela Tekken linguistic group, and some of the fruitcakes that I mentioned have grabbed onto that, claiming that uh, that was the Kowila Tekken tribe. Well, it was not the Kowila Tekken tribe. It was a linguistic, a speech mm-hmm. or language group grouping. Mm-hmm. So it may have been the Smiths and the Joneses and uh, and whatever that were buried there at the Alamo that were native people. But it doesn't change anything. And when you start talking about cemeteries belonging to the uh, the Cherokees or the Choctaws or they belong to families that had parents, mothers, fathers, cousins, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. Yeah. Those were yeah. all families. And when you talked about attacking the uh, an Indian village by the Seventh uh, Cavalry and what have you, they were attacking someone's home. They were attacking a city. And uh, so we start to lose track because of Hollywood in all of these things and tend to dehumanize these groups and make them lesser people or lesser 
uh, you don't view them as part of your family. And that's where a lot of this problem is. If these graves belong to John Smith, who has a property owner next to you, it'd be a whole different story. But since they're Indians, they're just those old Indians. Now, I've heard that said in my cemeteries, my modern-day cemeteries, uh, in fact, the Oakley Cemetery that you and I went to down in Texas, that it was said that uh, my uh fourth great-grandparents were those old Indian graves, as if it didn't matter, you know, if you dug into them. Of course, they've got tombstones and the like because they were civilized Indians, or what was called civilized Indians. But Mm -hmm. I'm talking too much. (laughs) No, it's it's very interesting. Well, it's very interesting, and I know that, um, you know, this story of this abuse of, of of Native burial grounds, I mean, like I said earlier, um, it not only is obviously happening among uh, the Native Americans, but we also disregard, in a sense, um, I just worked on a few years ago, um, a little chapel that was over here in Christian County, Kentucky, and these are white people, uh, Christian people who buried themselves in a little, you know, had a little settlement there early, early 1800s, and even burials into the early 1900s, and we could find no descendants, and we searched uh, that cared that this farmer has knocked all of, and this was in the newspaper. It wasn't like a secretive thing. I mean, this was well-known occurrence that was happening at this farm with this little cemetery. And they said, you know, oh, there's, I mean, I picked up hundreds of pieces of stones, you know, and trying to put them back together, you know, as we could, you know, and we just laid them on the creek bank because they're just being pushed into a brush pile and over into the creek, and this was the same thing, you know. So, in a, in a, in some regards, the white people, Christian people, are not. I mean, they we respect the remains of our people, but in a sense, it's it's history repeating itself they're disrespecting their own people and their own cemeteries which are supposed to be sacred no one came forward we could not contact any of the descendants we found one who lived in california and they ended up uh didn't even have any clue about their ancestors that were buried there didn't care and showed no um so what do you do to gain interest in in this? So same thing there in Nacogdoches with William Gowen's grave. There is no marker where he's buried on that. It's called Half Moon Prairie there in Nacogdoches on Gowen's Hill. It's, it's Half Moon Prairie that Shawnee buried. It was a Shawnee burial ground. This is documented. It was later a Spanish cemetery. Uh, used for many, many hundreds of years as a, as burial grounds. There's nothing there. The only you have to get these. 
you have to get these areas re-recognized. And if that takes a uh, a uh, stand-in, a die-in, and whatever you might want to call it, you need to go down there and raise the devil about it and uh, picket the area and get mm-hmm. newspaper stories written about it, get the TV people to come out there. You have mm-hmm. to get it made real again. Now, what has happened, think about this. In order to get rid of these graves, they tore down the tombstones and pushed them off and uh, buried them, you know, so that it wouldn't look like a cemetery. And right. uh, then they talk in terms of uh, those old Indian graves. Uh, they talk in terms of uh, that old cemetery, you know, that's no longer right. in use. They try to make it uh, appear that it doesn't exist. And once they get away with making it appear that it doesn't exist, you know, uh, you've got a problem. And what you've got to do is to get down to those places and form a little group. They don't have to be relatives of uh, of uh, people in that cemetery if you can't find uh, if you can't find relatives. You just need to, if you can find tombstones, you're a lot better off because you can re-erect them. But if you know right. who was buried in there, you can maybe get some wooden crosses, if nothing more, and uh, maybe even get a a uh, monument company to help you that might uh, go along with uh, bearing half the cost or something to get uh, new tombstones placed in those areas. But once it's re-identified as a cemetery, uh, you've just got to keep on re-identifying it. Because sooner or later, down the line, somebody else will push those stones off to one side and uh, try to uh, plant something on it, you know? Sure, and, sure, uh, yeah, and and just pretend like it didn't exist. And I think there was a movie, a popular movie, um, Poltergeist, that was based on a housing development that came in built homes on top of a cemetery or, a, you know, a hallowed ground or whatever you want to, I don't know that they said it was Native American, but, you know, that that there is, a, you know, these spirits obviously, you know, haunted these folks and um, made it uh, impossible for anyone to live there. But um, it, it's, yeah, it, it hurts my, it, I, it's always stuck in my, Crawl a little bit, you know that that these things continually go on. And you're right; you must be the the activism must start cultivate from within, you know. And I know, uh, of course, uh, Victoria has been working uh, diligently for many years to get this recognized. And I think it was very recently that they even got a marker that said this was our community. Um, but where do you stand? Um, uh, Victoria, with your, where are you at with those burial grounds? What is the current situation, and is there anything that some of us can do to continue that, promote that effort? Well, I, I agree with David. I, uh, like you said, we're old Indians. That's the way they looked at my family, Gaskins, which is a burial site there in Florida. I, I my family. We won't recognize that I want that back to my family. I've done a motion for intent for the state and the United States. I posted on Facebook what my intentions are of petitioning the government that that was my family's estates. I have a name, Gaskins. Uh, 
That is my name. It was loyalty. I was a tribal people that were there, and I want that back, and I want that respected and honored. As you say, David, that was ours. In the treaty time, it was written in the government that if you tore up our barrel sites underneath the Bureau of Indian Affairs, that you were fined $100,000 for tearing up their barrel remains. My family today has had their barrel sites destroyed. There's no longer none of my family's tribe there. So I feel that the government needs to reconciliate with me, give that back to the Gaskins, as my name was, loyalty, from the king and queen of England of 1600s, and make that right with my family. And my family's not only in the state of... My family's not only in the state of uh, Florida, my family's in Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia. My family removed from their settlements and their land tournaments during 16 to 1800s and placed and given land tournaments and tournaments and communities that was theirs. And that's why you see the name of Gaskins all over the United States. It's my family's name. Mm-hmm. And these barrel mounds and barrel sites that was theirs that have been looted and destroyed today, that they've taken our artifacts and put them in these museums. And the United States has made money off my people's true identity and it is not right that the Constitution and the Treaty Act was written in the United States titles and was written as not being honored today to my family's name. That's why I'm petitioning them with an intent to recognize that my family were there and that was theirs from 1600s to, to presently. Today I have all the information that anyone would ever want to challenge me on that, that these were my people right. and that rescinded back to my family, Dave, uh, Stacy. Right. In all respect, yes. I'm sorry, I was going to say, ask you one quick question. Now, you say that's a federal law that if if a county knowingly or a state knowingly allows a a native burial ground to be uh dis you know disrespected or whatever or built on or what have you that that that's a federal law they have to pay a hundred thousand dollars is that correct well yeah, I can cite the law it's the native American grave uh, protection and replication of yeah, the yeah. in native american it was established under title twenty five under a different section of the United States federal law, and that was in November of nineteen nineties that was a law that if uh, they make it a criminal offense for a traffic or, or, or the Native American humans, human remains without rights yes. or possession of Native American culture items obtained, it is a violation of this act. A penalty for the first offense may reach 12 months in prison or a $100,000 fine. Well, the people down there in Florida, you're all under arrest. Right. Well, what my point is, is is that all of us have a a a story and and can find these these. I've identified several. Dave has identified several. You have identified yours, and you have worked to get this petition together. Is that an avenue that some of us should also do? I mean, should should. Yes, we should all, if we have a lineage and we can prove that our ancestors or our people were on that land, 
it be in a cornfield or out in the, out wherever the farmers have or people that have it today, and they know these hidden grounds are there. The, even the people that are here are buried here today that have their cemeteries should never be violated. And no community county yeah. in this country should ever be allowed to violate that and remain to take them. Like Dave was saying, they put this body here, they put them here, they put them there. Where was the resting point at? Come on now, there was a trail of tears. You know, you have your mounds, you're digging them up, you're taking their artifacts, their mounds, their body parts, their jewelry, their their human body takes and put them somewhere else. I mean, please. This is a federally violation of this government that we established in the laws that you're not supposed to be allowed as a community member and, a, and an elected official to allow that to happen. But you see it a lot, mm-hmm. like Dave was saying, you see it a lot. And where are we going to petition the people of the government? Are we going to stop this allowing the, our, our humanes that are buried there to be dug up and put somewhere else in a museum or where we're going to put them at or take their even, – even the corners. How do we know that the corners today aren't – taking the jury off our remains and putting them in that ground. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. I mean, Native American, we have different rituals that we do with our Native people and burying, but it's not fair right. to the people that put money in their fair family's burial site and gave it to a coroner and him put their family in there and then some hundred years later or 15 years later, someone done dug your grave up and put them somewhere else. Well, hello? I mean, what about the women that, that are the people that are in the crimes that have been committed against them? Did they put their remains back into that grave site after they dug them up and done an autopsy on them to find out what was the death of that person? Did you actually put that person's body back in that site? No. You know, they died there. You know, that's where you buried them at. I mean, come on. I mean, why do we dig up graves and then not put them back where they were belongings at? And I'm right why? with you, Dave. Mm-hmm. You petitioned that in there in, in Texas that... You, these people were Native Americans, yeah. and you made fun of them, a mockery. Well, they were here in history. We're our history. We didn't go nowhere. That's why our spirit was speaking with you in that. And I, I commend you for that to honor our, our tribal people and the people that were here, the history of America. That's important. That's yeah. why my calling is, my petition is to, to acknowledge that there are burial sites and there are mounds, and there's, there's a law in effect that. Who who is the attorneys and who's the government? The Congress is supposed to be protecting that. Our congressmen and our, our our people and the native people are supposed to be watching that. But the Bureau of Indian Affairs, they could care less today on how many grave sites have been destroyed today that are are they actually people of ours? It's not good. But do you but do you think that that the Bureau of Indian Affairs does not actually care? Excuse me, care, or is it because they're not educated enough to go after these, you know, lawyers in within the tribal community. You're right. Do not, not educated. They're not educated. We talked about that earlier. Is there are that a lot of is that the problem. Is that the problem that it that that we need to go and we need to educate even their representatives there because there is some some justice that can be had. They just don't know how to get it. Correct. I don't think a lot of your city council members and the tribes are educated about the barrel. They don't actually, they're not litigators. They're not lawyers. They don't study the law. They're just members of of the organization that they're involved with. They're, They're tribal people. And they have enough going on. They have their appointed councils. Their appointed councils should be acknowledgement of these tribes 
uh, burial sites, and they should be checking all over in the country as attorneys for the United States tribal people. But where they are is their mismanagement of the education about our burial sites, our, our, our First Amendment right is our beliefs and our ministry of what we believe in, our, our sacrifices, our, our ceremonials, our, our indigenous beliefs right, that we have. Right, right. Forgot about this, and our our people. I mean, our First Amendment, right? Our courts. We don't. We have a separate identity because we're sovereign to our country. We have to go and face a United States uh, a, a court here in our country, and we're sovereign Native American, and we got to stand in front of a, a court unified court system. We're not even supposed to be in that. This is not. And we're, we've got well, our Native I mean, American prison. We're not supposed to be in no prison. That was a signing of the treaty. We're never supposed to be in bondage or slavery in this country. You put us in slavery without an injured party. Hello, you brought alcohol in and fed it to my people. That's another fine to feed medicine, poison, white man poison to my people and make them sick. It's a $100,000 fine. Hello, your city's in violation of my person in prison for alcohol ingestion. He's a Native American. Sorry to hurt your feelings, but it was written in the treaty. Signed in the United States Congress under Title 25. I know these laws are in and our kids are uneducated about these laws that they could be going into court and say, Your Honor, you know, because this person is recognized as a federal Native American, we can't allow your courts to sentence them. They have to be tried before a United States tribal court because they're a sovereign Native person in this country. You have your unified government court, and they're separate than our government. They have their laws, and we have our laws. But our courts can't prosecute them. And this has not happened in our country today. The the best way for us as as advocates and as activists is to educate the people. Our 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 greatest thing is to bring these truths to light and and to have them help themselves. Um the people of, and we talk about their state on the reservations is uh, quite poor. I I do know this for a fact. I have been to several Native American reservations up north, out west, and in Oklahoma and uh, several other states. But they're they're the people are so hurt. And so traumatized that they don't even understand the treaties by which they were given their freedom or supposed to have been given their freedom. So the best thing that we can do is help these people to educate themselves and help themselves. Is that correct? You have to be relentless uh, in pushing these things along. That law changes, and uh, to get someone to come in and, and act in your behalf. Now, probably you weren't aware of it, uh, Stacy, but I was involved with NAGPRA and that law change, and helped push that through in the nineties, and uh, yeah. with a group again, Texas. Now, the uh, when I retrieved the uh, remains from Southwest Texas University. I use NAGPRA to remove those remains from that university, and they were quick to get rid of them. Now, that came about in uh, uh, 2004, and uh, the uh, right behind that came the, uh, oh, I forget who it was now, but it was another government operation that wanted me to take all the remains that they had dug up in uh 
West Texas and uh, put it in my care and keeping. And I had to tell them that I was not a uh, a mortuary. I was not a funeral home, and I was not a cemetery in itself. And if they could provide me with a cemetery and protect that cemetery and seal it, we would put all of the remains that they held at that point in those places. Well, they didn't go along with it. That was just all talk. And uh, they didn't go along with it in the end. But you have to get uh, you have to get snarky with them in order to uh, to get something done. And you've got to get the newspapers and the media to help you. And in some cases, you've got to do some pretty bizarre things. Uh, in a sense, I took a uh, council drum as an example and went down in front of the Alamo. And uh, along with uh, three or four other uh, Indian volunteers, we read the uh, names of the people that were buried. They had names that were buried at the Alamo in that street. Now, eventually, we were able to shut down the street in front of the Alamo, which was a burial site. And uh, that area in front of the Alamo was the uh, inner fortress uh, the Alamo was not the fortress. There was a uh, fortress built around it. Um, and that street there held, uh, we felt, many remains. And uh, using a GPS technique, they did discover uh, the possibility of graves in that street. But uh, we didn't want to mess with, and uh, we didn't push to do anything further with them other than to say that they were there. And uh, that was uh, one of the reasons for getting those remains back from southwest Texas and get them back in the uh, in their, uh, in a cemetery. And uh, we were able to do that. And uh, so that was kind of a unique situation. But it took a lot of, uh, it took a lot of uh, showmanship. It took a lot of, uh, to get the attention, to get people talking about it, to get the newspapers to come in and uh, talk about what was going on. Uh, we would uh, show up in front of the Alamo, and we wouldn't be there five minutes, and the local news people would be there, the TV stations, the uh, right, newspaper right. people. They were all ready for something to, for a show, and that got it into the newspapers, and that's what you need. You've got to advertise. Yeah, yeah, you really do. And and I think that's um, a, a great thing that would start from within the nation is, as, as Victoria has suggested, uh, the Creek Indians of Oklahoma should go track their history and find their burial grounds and start claiming them. Wherever those may be, all of your people start claiming them. You know, and and we can help with that. I, I think that that needs to be an effort uh, as well from the tribal. You know, that may be a way uh, because they, uh, according to their own culture, uh, regard these grounds as sacred grounds. And uh, Victoria gave a fine example of how her grandfather said, you know, you're not allowed to go back there. To, to the old to the old burial grounds, 
because it was sacred to him and it was sacred to the people. Okay, well, um, if there's a $100,000 fine for every state or county or what have you by the federal government, why couldn't that money be used towards the reclamation of those uh, sites? And the, uh, you know, I know Gabe, he went to lengths, like he said, of showmanship um, to get the the remains there in San Antonio attention brought that this was a Native American burial ground uh, where the post office was built. Excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're going to go off live uh, in about 428. Um, so I want to get you guys, uh, we we can, will continue to record this session at Blog Talk Radio with uh, Gary Gabe Hart and um, featuring uh, Victoria Gaskin on the uh, Native American burial mound there in Florida where her family settlement was. But the live stream will cut off. We'll continue to record. But I want you both, uh, Gary, um, Gabe, you speak first, and then um, I'm going to allow, uh, I want Victoria to give us her final thoughts on the, the best way for the average person listening in who does a lot of research with their Native American heritage. What can we do to help? the process of recognition of these burial sites that are being actually being and have been historically uh, neglected and abused uh, by the white people. What can we do to change that? Gary? Well, I think uh, let me add this uh, one final thing, and then I'm going to sit back and listen. Uh, we've got Everett, you know Everett, down in uh, in Texas in San Antonio. That uh, Melendez, he's uh, one of the Goins descendants, is in the process of working with the uh, state historical, Texas State Historical Site, to erect a uh, monument on the road uh, by the Oakley Oakley Cemetery. And the reason for that is that uh, our family, my fourth great-grandfather and grandmother, is buried there, and they are original settlers of Texas and enlisted in the Belleville census. And uh, when they came to town, uh, they didn't know they came into East Texas. No one knew who they were. They were driving uh, wagons. Uh, They said they were Indians. They thought, well, they're mulattoes. Uh, They just didn't know, you know, because Indians were supposed to be on reservations. But that wasn't the way it was. They drove wagons, they carried shotguns and the like. Well, they wound up down around south of San Antonio in Pleasanton and were buried in the Oakley Cemetery. Maybe the first step is to get some state involvement where the state is spending money to recognize that cemetery that they're buried in. And we've got a tremendous number of uh, family members buried in there. And these are all people that originated uh, back around the time of the Alamo, back in the 1830s, and uh, showed up in Texas to fight for Texas independence. So it's pretty historical, and that's going to help protect that cemetery. But there's an awful lot of other cemeteries out there, and if you know who's buried in them, 
And if you can prove that they've got a line to uh, uh, independence in, in your part of the world, uh, you may be able to get your state to uh, pop in some money and get, get involvement in that cemetery. Now, I'm going to sit back and listen. Thank you. Thank you, Gabe. That, that is, I, I did forget to mention that Emmett um, and the Gowen family are working on the uh, cemetery there and to get recognition from the state. And I appreciate your input today. We, we always learn so much whenever we talk to you and uh, you share your experiences and especially about something that is as passionate to all of us, obviously, as, as these burial grounds are need to be recognized and um victoria thank you so much for being here today with me and um i'm going to offer and extend um, my help with anything i know that you have a hard time returning uh to uh florida because of of, of some things that have happened and uh that you're not able to get down there and be as active as like say what uh gabe has with the and Antonio, but but tell me, give me your final thoughts, and also share with me anything that we can help you with to get this get this place uh, returned and acknowledged. Well, I as as Stacy says, and you, Stacia, I ask that the state of Florida and the United States respect that there has been an injustice done to the, my family's gravesite. Respect my ancestors, respect my culture, and respect where our people were there. And protect that law that was already writ and get, give funding, resend back my family's government, and let it be known that that was their area where they were all massacred and murdered and removed there. And that's all I ask, that everybody help me with this petition with Florida and they acknowledge that my family were there. They're no longer there we anymore. We absolutely can do that, and and shows like this today, and input from from others who have have walked your journey uh, as far as Gabe's experience and uh, my limited experience. I I'm going to be following Emmett very closely and. Uh, his efforts, and he's going to come and give us an interview, by the way. he uh, Emmett Melendez has, has said as soon as he gets a little further with the process uh, with Texas, he's going to come and give us an interview and let us know how that is progressing. Uh, again, thank you both for being here. Um, next Saturday at Blog Talk Radio at BaggantTime.biz, um, we're going to have an open mic Saturday, unless it changes. Um, I had someone who was supposed to be here with me, but uh, I haven't gotten a confirmation or uh, an agenda scheduled together yet. So um, I will not be getting promises, but thank you again for both being here, and um, you guys both have a good evening and uh, an exceedingly abundant new year. Well, Happy New Year to both of you. I'm sorry I was late today, but uh, I'm just not catching up with myself yet. (laughs) (laughs) We're glad you made it home safe and sound, Gabe, uh, for your trip from Texas. And um, 
you know, you and I, we are actually kind of close and stay in contact with each other. And uh, I'm sorry about your arm, and I'm glad you got it tended to. And um, Happy New Year to you as well, um, Victoria. Yes. Wado, thank you. Wado. Bye-bye, you guys. Have a good evening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Adios. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.